Welcome to the Australia Sews podcast. This podcast celebrates the Australian home sewing community and shares stories from everyday sewers transforming their lives and their wardrobes. My name is Louise Sherry. My special guest on the podcast today is Claudia Higgins. Claudia is a fellow Sydney sewist who has only recently discovered the joys of upcycling. Claudia is currently embarking on a mid-year career pivot as a high school teacher specialising in textiles. Her Instagram name is Claudia Makes Pretty Things and she's not afraid to own the fact that she likes making and wearing pretty things. I really enjoyed my chat with Claudia and I hope you do too. Here's Claudia. So welcome, Claudia. Thank you. So before we get into our chat, tell us what you're wearing today. I am wearing the Rosary Apparel Rosa dress in a floral cotton poplin. And I have next to me my True Bias Marlowe cardigan in lovely berry waffle cotton in case I get cold. You have a lot of Rosa dresses, probably in lots of different hacks, I imagine. I do. Rosary Apparel, when I got back into sewing my own clothes in a big way, was one of the first, um, I guess, more indie modern people I came across and I do have a little bit of a crush on Janelle and her wardrobe and her style and I love the rosa I find it the most hackable piece I've made it into I reckon I have about six of them which is a little frightening but I absolutely love it I think it's the most wonderful pattern what do you love about it then can you describe the silhouette of the rosa dress so the rosa dress has a fitted bodice with a round reasonably high but not too high neckline some short sleeves and then gathered at the waist into a lovely skirt with pocket. Um, for me, I think what I love about it is there's so much you can do to it. So Janelle had on her channel something where you can take out the waist starts so you don't have to have a zip. So that's what I do on most of mine because I don't love a really fitted bodice. I have young children, so I do a lot of running. Um, this one I'm wearing today has no puff sleeves, but I often put a puff sleeve on them. I love that I can add tiered gathers to make it longer or shorter um, I just think it's a really fun classic sort of silhouette and it really suits my personal style. So you said you took the zip out does that mean you made the neck line a bit wider so you could kind of get it over I your did. head? I think I dropped it around a centimeter all the way around Janelle usually has her legs a little bit higher than I seem to um, and I changed to a bias binding because I prefer a bound finish to a facing. So that's just a personal preference mm. thing. And since I've discovered binding for finishes, I've never gone back. And you do them so well. And Thank you do you. them in these contrasting colours. It looks really good. I do. I love a contrast secret feature. So whether yes. it's pockets in a different fabric or a binding in a different fabric, I guess it's about, I mean, for me, part of the joy of sewing is creating things and creating beautiful things for myself and so it doesn't really matter if no one can see it it's for me it gives me joy and that's a lovely thing and you did say that you're from sydney are you from sydney originally i am i'm sydney born and bred mm. um, and yeah i love it here at the moment i'm living between the north shore and the northern beaches and yeah with my little family i've got two young children and my husband who are all home <laughs> and yes with our cat as well, Gatsby, who may make an appearance if he wanders through looking for food. How come your cat hasn't made an appearance on your Instagram feed? 
I don't shy? know why. He really does need to. He often is around. He likes to sniff my overlocker. Um, <laughs> but no, okay, I'll make sure he makes a little appearance. I'll introduce Gatsby to everyone soon. Didn't even know you had a cat. A surprise. <laughs> All the things we're finding out today. I knew you had two sons, Theo and Quinn. That's is right. Is that right? How old are they now? So Theodore turned eight last week mm -hmm. and Quinn is about five and a half. Oh. So they're in year two in kindergarten. So you have your hands definitely full. I do a little bit. They're good fun though and they do love the sewing process and all about it. They're very used to mummy always having bits and pieces around. Quinn's favourite hobby is checking my tape measure is still the right length and he will often be found under a table checking all the numbers on my tape measure. <laughs> so it's still good. Don't worry. You make the cutest things for them and not just clothes, but toys, you know, kids' toys that can be made out of soft fabrics and felts and things and wood. Yeah. I do love making things for children. I find it really fun. I think it's a really lovely entry point for people not used to sewing because children don't care if it's not perfect. They don't mind a wonky seam. They don't mind a colour that's not perfectly matched. They're, they're just happy with anything. And that's a really big thing for me. And it's something I do as well. I make most of the gifts my children give their friends for birthday parties each year. At the beginning of the year, they pick something they want and then I'll make them up for each child, which I think is a really lovely way of making something a bit more personal. And mm. it's a nice process and I can involve my children in it that way. And I believe that you're studying at uni. Is that keeping you away from the sewing machine quite a bit? Uh, occasionally in assessment time it definitely does. I'm currently studying my Masters of Secondary Teaching and I'm actually going to be a design and tech teacher specialising in textiles. Wow. Which is just really a bit of a dream, isn't it? Um, so this is a mid-career change for me and it's something I always liked the idea of but never got there. So with COVID and everyone's lives changing, I made the leap and I just received my accreditation actually and I've done a little bit of teaching but I finished my full degree at the end of the year so oh, wow. it takes a lot of time and it's a lot of hard work I think I always knew teachers worked hard I don't think anything could have prepared me for just how hard they work but I really love it and I particularly love sharing everything I love about sewing and textiles with a new generation of children coming through. Did you make a massive leap from a different type of career that you were maybe pursuing? I did. I worked in marketing and communications for 10 years, mostly in charities and health. And then during the beginning of pandemic, like a lot of people, my job, my contract finished up and wasn't renewed. And it gave me a little bit of an opportunity to think, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I was fortunate enough to be in a position with our family and everything else that the stars aligned a little and made it possible. And I am really happy it did. I'm really mm. enjoying it. Were you a sewer as a child or into crafts and things? I was. I was always a very sewing and crafty child. I think my parents would attest to my room being full of little bits of fabric and thread and pipe cleaner and everything. I was thinking back the other day when I was young, I went to some holiday programs which had a lot of hand sewing in them, so making appliques and little embroidery pieces and things like that. And I was always into putting something together, making something together. I have memories of doing cross-stitch at my grandmother's house, playing on my mum's sewing machine. It was just always there. The reason why I ask is I'm kind of mid-life or mid-career as well. And often you think of the things you enjoyed as a child when you're looking for a career pivot. Absolutely. And I think for me, part of it is that I love creating and I love making, but I also love sharing that. Mm. And I really love working with young people and helping their eyes open to something potentially they hadn't considered before. I think particularly with things like textiles, 
a lot of this new generation, even our generation, may not have grown up with it. It wasn't something, you know, we think back to our grandmothers, they all knew how to sew. And our great-grandmothers, it was just a very normal part of life and it's disappeared a little. And I love the Mm. idea of bringing those skills back and showing the value of that work and what we can do with it today. I wonder what your days will be like. Have you kind of envisioned what you think you'd be doing as a teacher? Yes, so I've just actually finished my first um, teaching placement where I worked for six weeks in a school. And so teaching design and technology, I teach across um, a whole lot of subjects from woodwork and metalwork and engineering and coding and food and textiles and goodness knows what else. It's incredible. So there's a lot of pivoting and jumping around. Um, But I particularly enjoy working with some of the older students on their textiles when they're starting to come into their own and make some design decisions and show their personality and they're there because they really want to be there. But it's busy and it's um, very, it's a personal sort of subject to teach because everyone's doing their own project. So you do get to know the students really well, mm. which I love. That is so exciting. It's a little bit scary, but uh, very exciting. So your Instagram account is called Claudia Makes Pretty Things, but it actually wasn't always called that. You changed it. I did change it. Um The word pretty is a funny one. I think as a society, we often dismiss pretty things as being frivolous and unimportant and not worthy of our time. And it sounds a little odd, but it's always, it's taken me some time to get to a point where I can really accept that personally, I like pretty things. I like making pretty things. And I think pretty things have value. And I'm now happy to sort of own that a little bit and Mm. say, yeah, I, my clothing is pretty. My house is pretty. I like pretty things. And (laughs) It doesn't make them meaningless or frivolous or not important and there's value in things just being beautiful. And interestingly, because you upcycle a lot from secondhand things, they can still be pretty. They can. Upcycling is something new I've explored in the last few years. I I don't think I ever thought I would head that direction. That was Janelle, wasn't it? It it was definitely Janelle, (laughs) let's be real. She (laughs) got you into it. It's all part of my girl crush on Janelle. Um, But I think also textiles waste is such a huge problem in the world at the moment and something through my studies I've learned a lot about and there's some really beautiful things out there just waiting for someone to see them and love them Um, and it's also really exciting it's a little bit of a challenge sometimes to have a piece and it's not just a straight piece of fabric maybe it's got a little stain or maybe it's got a particular bit of pattern that you really want to get on or a nice bit of edging and it makes a little bit more of a puzzle and just a little bit more fun. It's also secretly fun, I think, to be out wearing a bed sheet when everyone admires your outfit. You think, yes, I bought this for $2 at an op shop. So you never would have dreamt of walking into an op shop and looking for either fabric from a, an existing piece of clothing that was big enough to cut up or a bed sheet or a curtain or anything like that? No, when I was younger, I really wasn't interested in op shopping or upcycling or anything like that. It's definitely something new. Mm. Um, but I think it's something really exciting. And I'm glad I've come to it both from a sustainable world point of view and also as a person creative sort of sense. Yes. So you have turned or transformed a curtain into a skirt, a blanket into a coat, maybe a couple of blankets now into coats. I have, yes. What do you enjoy about that process then? The wool blanket one is really enjoyable. There's a lovely indie designer from New Zealand called Twig and Tail and they really encourage that and they do a lot of children's wear and that was where I sort of found that idea and I love it I think it's really fun I think a lot of those old blankets they've got a sense of nostalgia for me I can picture the one that was on my bed as a child and they're also beautiful quality I mean these blankets I'm finding Mm. here there and everywhere are 
50, 60, 70 years old and they're lovely. Are they heavy? They are heavy. <laughs> they are a bit heavy. So some of my longer coats are a little bit, they're solid. They're not for your carry-on luggage. Um, but I really love finding something that's unique and bold and potentially also something that I never would pick up in a shop. I have a particular coat, which is a brown base with a green and yellow, green and pink, sorry, check that really shouldn't work, but somehow the pattern does, but I would never buy that in a shop. If I walked into a sewing uh, fabric shop or something like that, I would never pick up that fabric. But when I found it in the blanket, I thought, oh, well, I better take it home. And now it's my favourite piece. Was that the Pixie Pea coat? It was the Pixie Pea coat. Twig which and I lengthened. Tail? Yeah, Twig and Tail. I lengthened it out and took off ah, the hood. Yes. That was my first attempt at sewing um, with wool and coating in that sort of way, which was a great learning And that experience. plaid was a beautiful colour pa palette. It is. It's a really lovely one and it's just so warm. As we know, as you mentioned, I've got young children, so there's a lot of my life on the side of sports fields. <laughs> so it's nice to have something warm to snuggle up against the wind. One I made recently was a beautiful rainbow coat, which again, I picked up that blanket thinking I'll use this for a child or something else. Mm. And then I use it for myself and it's actually quite wonderful. It is but it beautiful. It has a top pocket on it because there was a little mark on it and I couldn't Tetris my pattern around in any way to not do the mark. So I popped a pocket on and it solved everything and it's an extra pocket. So I think that level of being a little bit flexible with your ideas is also important when you're working with pieces like that. But I do love a vintage blanket. I do mm. have a wardrobe that probably has a few more than it should in it. <laughs> Just don't put wool in the dryer because I've done that a couple of times thinking oh, I could get away sad. with it. Yes. Very sad. You really can't. No. You really can't. It didn't even fit my daughter. <laughs> oh, no. So... Yeah, goodbye, wool jacket. That's a bit sad. Did someone teach you how to sew or are you self, a self-made sewer? No, I was, I was taught how to sew. So when I was, so as I mentioned, I did a lot of hand sewing as a child and things like that. And when I was in year seven, my high school actually offered a dressmaking club after school. And I said to my mum, I really would like to do this and give this a go. So I enrolled in my dressmaking class. I was the I was the youngest one in there and they taught me to spread up my sewing machine. So I think I sewed a skirt maybe as my first thing. It was all very basic. And then from year eight on, I did textiles and design as well and got more and more into how to work with patterns and things like that. Did you think um, this is just the most greatest thing ever? I made a skirt. It's witchcraft. It's magic. <laughs> it's wonderful. I, I love having a piece of material and a few bits of paper and turning it into something I can wear down the street. I think it's absolutely wonderful. And I really love the process as well as the product. I find something really soothing and really lovely about cutting and pinning and sewing and ironing and that whole process I find mm. really lovely and really enjoyable. And I just never could walk away from it. And then I went on and my first university degree was a design degree and I majored in textiles, which was less about sewing and more about exploring textiles as a medium. But that, again, gave me a new appreciation for the medium and a new way of thinking about textiles and a new way of thinking about how they fit into my life. So it's just always been there. Sewing and textiles have just always been part of my world. Wow. Did you end up using that degree in the textiles industry? I didn't actually because I moved sideways into marketing and comms. So it became mm. more something that I had a lot of experience from the knowledge I gained in it mm. and working with uh, creative people and things like that. But I didn't actually ever work in the textiles industry in a major way. So in 2021, to me on your Instagram, it kind of looks like that's when you really got stuck into clothes, less about craft, still crafting, but more about the clothes. I had always sewn my clothes a little bit, 
when I was younger, I made a lot of my own clothes, I think as a lot of teenagers do. And, and it's something that fell away with work and children and life and things like that. And my sewing machine lived in a cupboard and came out only for little bits and pieces. And I think with the pandemic and starting to see more and more um, sewing on Instagram, the indie patterns, things like that, it suddenly the appeal grew back for me. And I thought, why am I not doing this? I love this. Why, why don't I bring it back into my life? And I did. And I think that was a really special thing for me to as well use it as a bit of self-care and use it to make things for myself and it's okay to make something for myself that's that's a good use of mm. my time to make something for me did you like shopping for ready-to-wear clothes at the shops and did you find things you liked when you did that i did but i was never a huge shopper and i think i've never been overly interested in fashion trends and um, i prefer to wear things that i like so I usually had a few different stores that they would be where I'd go and I'd find things I liked, but I, I wouldn't classify myself as a fashionista or someone that had, you know, a very fashionable wardrobe or things like that. I definitely have always had a sense of the clothing I like and the style I like. And sewing has just given me a way to make it even more me and really create exactly what I want at any time. You love a puffy sleeve and a pocket like a lot of people. <laughs> What else do you look for when you're selecting patterns? I look for something that is, I guess, I don't know if modest is the right word, but I don't I don't tend to wear things that are too short or too cut away or anything like that. Part of that is practicality. I have little children. Um, and part of it is just a comfort thing. I feel more comfortable wearing something with a little bit more coverage. I often look for something that has potential, that I love the pattern, but also I could do something with, whether it's changing a direction of a, um, a pattern piece or colour blocking or adding something or taking something away. I think that's a really exciting thing I always look for and something that I like. I think often we underestimate how much it's okay to make something just because you like it. And I have often bought a pattern or bought a piece of fabric just because I really like it. And that's okay too. Do you go to Spotlight mainly for your fabric finds? I do. I actually have one about 10 minutes from my house, which is not a good thing really. So I do buy a lot of my fabric there. I do a lot of op shopping, as you know. And whenever I travel, I always try and find any fabric stores where I am. Earlier this year, I was up the coast of New South Wales and stopped in at a little fabric store that this lady owned. And she was so excited that I was there. She said, oh, I've got a bunch of fabrics in the back that someone's dropped off and I don't really need them. Go through it and take anything you want. And I walked out with metres of beautiful um, cottons and rayons and lovely, lovely fabrics, which is just such a special thing so they're all sitting in my drawer ready to make something beautiful with as well wow what are you looking for in fabrics then do you like prints do you prefer solids do you like linens and cottons i like linens and cottons i like wearing rayon but i don't love sewing with rayon i have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with rayon um i definitely prefer natural fibers so cotton linens wools things like that um i love both the print and a solid I think it's more for me, I have a colour palette. I know what kind of colours I like. And with my prints, they're usually florals or ginghams. I generally don't tend to have geometric prints or picture prints or anything like that in my wardrobe as much. You were sounding so much like Janelle more and more. <laughs> <laughs> so do you like those softer colours as well? Like instead of green, sage, instead of pink, coral? 
Absolutely. I actually did earlier this year my colours, that very 80s thing. Um, I saw a few people on Instagram doing it and thought, oh, I should do that and discovered I am a cool winter and suddenly my clothing choices made a lot more sense and that's Mm. actually been really helpful for me in guiding fabric choices and just being a little bit more strategic with what I choose to purchase and being a little bit more comfortable with leaving things on the shelf I think Mm. that's sometimes the hardest thing is something might speak to me and think oh but it's so pretty you know it's so lovely but sometimes you do have to leave it behind particularly in op shops when I'm in op shops I like to think that someone else will find it it will be perfect for them. I looked at red in Spotlight the other day and I thought, but am I really a red person? Do you get do you get that as well? I'm not a red person. I love red. I wish I could. I have a girlfriend who wears she looks beautiful in bold reds and blues and bright red lipstick and so I just live my red dreams through her. Um, I think I am definitely a softer toned, quieter palette. And interestingly, though, our styles change. So maybe in 10 years' time you might be a red person or one year time I you might be. be. Absolutely. And I think it's important to be open to those sorts of things. And like I said before, I mean, even if you're not really a red person, but you find something you like in red, buy the red. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to. I mean, I look at some people's wardrobes where they're very cohesive and very curated. And I think that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But for me, that's that's not what works for me. So I do have sort of an idea of what I like and I try and keep within my palettes and keep within my style. But if I find something I love, I'll pick it up. Besides sewing, you have a real talent for crochet. Now, have I said that right? You have. I taught myself to crochet after the birth of my second child. Um, He was a difficult baby, let's say. There was not a lot of sleep in my house and I had Mm. a toddler and I was quite anxious and I needed something to do with my hands particularly of an evening, my mum is actually an amazing knitter and creates the most beautiful things and has tried to teach me to knit numerous times. And knitting makes no sense to me. I've actually heard that you are either a knitter or a crocheter. I am not a knitter. I make knots, but I love to crochet. So I taught myself on YouTube. I started making face washes and now I make lots of different things. I've actually got a big sack of yarn sitting beside me in my chair, taunting me because I need to finish a few projects. What's the difference between knitting and crocheting? So knitting, you use two straight needles and crochet, you are using one hook. So crochet is about loops, whereas knitting, you go, it's a little bit different. Um, And I think the biggest difference is knitting can be done on a knitting machine. You can actually machine knit, like we all know, with jerseys and things like that. Obviously, looks a lot different and is not the same quality always. Um, But crochet can't be machine produced. So if you ever see a piece of crocheted work, it has been done by hand. Wow. Yeah. So you've made things like with the crocheting, you've made things like fake food, scarves, gloves, Easter baskets, doilies. I mean, I'm not going to say you're old, but that does sound like something a grandma (laughs) might make. (laughs) A little bit grandma chic. I'm not going to lie. Um, Making doilies was an interesting one. I really loved the idea of trying to make lace. I'd seen a lot of pictures on it and I thought, well, let's give this a try. It was really hard, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I love making things for my children. I make a lot of beanies. They've got, particularly my younger one loves a hat and he has lots of different hats and lots of beanies. I've made lots of fingerless gloves, which are popular in my neighbourhood when you're out bike riding and scooting. I'm currently knitting a vest for myself not knitting crocheting a vest for myself um which is beautiful and I'm really enjoying that process and I'm 
probably about 10 rows from finishing and I really just knuckle need to knuckle under wow. and finish it. It must but be addictive. It is. I find it really meditative. I like that I can do it in the room. I often find sewing can be sometimes a little antisocial because I have to go to my sewing machine and come back behind and I'm not in the space and it's a bit noisy. Yeah. Um, whereas crochet, I can sit in the room. So I, I actually have my crochet set up in our lounge room. So often of an evening, my husband and I will be in here or with the children or not, and I'll just have that with me. It's also a nice portable project if mm. I'm going to sit in a car while I wait for sports training or wait for an appointment. It's a lovely thing to have with me and just do as I go. So you made a granny ground jumper from Iron Lamb Patterns, is that right? The granny go round, yes. It's a very recognisable crochet stitch and I think it's what we all think of with those little granny squares and the different colours made into a blanket and she made it into a jumper, which is really fun. So she's a crochet pattern designer. She makes beautiful things and she was doing a new neckline for it and I offered to be a tester for her and then made the whole piece. Oh. Um, and it was beautiful and it's it's the happiest jumper with all the different stripes of rainbow colours. It's a little bit toddler chic actually. I think I look a little bit like a three-year-old in it, but it's just lovely. Pink, blue, green and yellow stripes. It is. It is. I had a lot of ends to weave in at the end. It was a little bit scary, the inside from all those colour changes, but it was an enjoyable project and it's lovely to make something. And for me, I love with crochet and things like that, being able to, similar to sewing, you make it just the length you like and just the way you like your neckline and just the way you like everything. And I think that's a really fun thing to do And what's well. the weight of a crocheted jumper then? How heavy or light is it? on the yarn you use. Um, it's probably a little bit heavier than what you'd buy in the store, but it's definitely not a heavy thing. It's just snuggly. And how would you wash it? By hand, very carefully. <laughs> So no dryer for this one also? No dryer for this. As I mentioned, my mum knits and she's knitted a lot for my children over the years. So I'm no stranger to hand washing with a little bit of wool wash in the sink. You even made or crocheted some tiny little bird's nests for the Animal Rescue Craft Guild, which helps in the recovery of injured wildlife. Did you just find that on the internet or did someone did. approach you? It was after the New South Wales bushfires a few years ago and there was a lot of issues with animals and animal rescue. And I found it online and I thought, what a fun project to do. It was a great way to use up all those scraps of yarn I had. They had a bunch of free patterns available to show you how to do it all and a bit of advice on it. So I made a few things. My children loved it. They thought it was great fun too. A lot of toy animals lived in them before we sent them off. And it was a really, I think, something that I could do in the face of that really big disaster. When you crochet, do you normally have scraps of yarn? that you need to use up like fabric? I definitely do. So often at the moment I'm making a lot of beanies for my five-year-old son's friend's birthdays and their little dinosaur hats. So I use all my scraps for the spikes. So whatever I happen to have around, they only need a little bit. So it's very handy. It is. It's good fun. And I let my children play with it as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you're taking part in the Make Nine Challenge this year. Can you explain to people what that's all about? So Make Nine's been around for a few years. This is the first year I've tried it. But essentially at the beginning of the year, you pick nine things, whether it's nine patterns or nine fabrics or nine garments that you'd like to make during the year. And I like the idea of that because it gives me a little bit of direction. I can sometimes get distracted by new things. So it's nice to think this is what I really like to make this year and hold myself a little bit accountable to it and also give myself the push of a to be a bit brave maybe with something that I'm a little bit frightened of making and saying, well, I've said I will now, so I have to. 
So I, a few of them were patterns that I'd made before and I wanted to make again, some new patterns. And I'm really enjoying pushing myself to, to keep going with some plans of things I wanted to make and actually make them. And there's a hashtag too for anyone that wants to look at it. all the Make Nines around the world. It's hashtag Make Nine 2022. Yes. So it's really it's fun to, to see, see what people's nine makes are for the year. It is. Some people choose nine fabrics from their stash or nine patterns or anything. It's really interesting to see how different people approach it. So have you had a look at your Make Nine recently to see how you're going now that we're halfway through the year? I did. I had a little bit of a roundup. I think I've made six of my have nine, you? which is a bit exciting. Um, some of them were new patterns. My Marlowe that's sitting next to me um, as I record, this was one of it. Um, I had never sewn much with knits. And so a big thing for me this year was mm. saying, I will be brave. I will conquer knits. Um, What's the scariness about knits? I'm not sure. They just are. Because they stretch? <laughs> because they stretch and they're a little bit unstable and it's a little bit unknown. Yeah, I think that's just what it is. And I think in my mind, I just hadn't sewn with knits for a long time. And I think I just built it up in my mind to be a really difficult, scary thing and getting the necklines to lie flat. And... Do you know, that's fascinating to me because I started with knits and I was very scared to sew with wovens. I was like, they don't stretch. How am I going to breathe? <laughs> you know, do I have to put zips in everything? So it's it freaked me out. Thing. I think we get to, we like what we started with and then find it really frightening to change over. So the Marlowe was a really good one that, it was a knit that I identified. I loved the pattern. I wanted to give it a try. And I think if it hadn't been on my Make 9, it would have been very easy just to push it to the side and say, oh, I'm not really, I don't really want that. And it, it forced me to actually make it. And now I love it. I wear it all the time. Awesome. Have you made the McCall's 7974 dress yet? I haven't. I think that will be the end of the year. I think that'll be a summer pattern to make. So that's probably that and some dungarees or overalls are the two things I'm a little bit nervous to make, potentially why they're at the back end of my year. Um, I've never made overalls before. I actually don't wear pants or trousers really at all. Talking about the Ganta overalls by Helen's Closet on your yes. list? Yes, though I actually am thinking of switching it out for her new ruby overalls pattern that she's just released, which I like the style a little bit more, so I'll probably swap them out, but I feel like it still counts because they're still overalls. Um but they're at the back end of my year because I'm a little bit nervous to make those. Well, that's interesting because you've made so many pinafores and I look at that pattern and think it looks very similar to a pinafore. Or am I looking at the wrong one? No, hang on. No, it that's right. Yours. Yeah. Yes, here we go. You've got pinafores on your list and overalls on your list. <laughs> I love a pinafore. <laughs> yes, the overalls look a lot more complicated than the pinafore. <laughs> but sometimes very similar with the buckle at the front. Absolutely. It's a style I like. I like a blouse over, um, sorry, blouse under something I really like. So I, I feel like overalls should work in my life. Um, so I'll give them a go. Well, that's interesting too, because you don't like pants. I don't like now, pants. overalls are technically <laughs> pants. <laughs> I don't like pants. That's trousers for all the English people listening. I do wear, I do wear pants from their point of view. Um, I've just never really been a trousers person. I like dresses. What about jeans? I wear jeans, jeans and a pair of leggings for workout are the only pants I own. I actually did a school pickup run the other day wearing my jeans and someone walked up to me and said, I didn't recognise you without a dress on. So it's a little joke in our neighbourhood that it's a sign of the apocalypse when I'm wearing pants because something's <laughs> got to be going on. <laughs> so I'm really curious how these um, how the overalls will turn out and if you'll like them. Me too. I think they're going to be the next one I tackle. I've got my pattern. I'm going to print it out probably in the next few weeks. And I've got some um, 
scraps that I'll use to make a twirl. I generally don't twirl, don't tell my students. Um, but I think I will for those because with your biscuit for the biscuit. get that bit of fit. Yeah. <laughs> for coats, often I will make the lining first and treat that as the twirl. So I'll cut into my lining, so I'll cut lining and then use that to kind of check the fit. Um, I think potentially because the clothes I fit, I don't make a lot of super fitted things. I don't make sort of bustier or corset mm. style wear. So I do make things that have a little bit of forgiveness in them. What about I this Macaul's like, dress though? That the 7974 is fitted? It is. I may trial just the bodice of that also because I've read up a bit online that people say the cup fitting can be a little bit off in some of those big full patterns. So I may give that one a go. But generally speaking, I just go for it. <laughs> Good on you. Or worse. <laughs> but that's okay as well. I have made some things that I haven't turned out or I haven't ended up wearing them as much as I like. Mm. And I'll unpick them or cut them apart and make them into something else. Mm. I have a skirt I made a few years ago that just wasn't getting the wear, so I cut the top of it, made it a bit shorter and made a new waistband, and now I wear it all the time. Oh, that's good. So you've made the Aura Pinafore. Well, you've actually made a, quite a few pinafores. Is that your favourite one or do you have a favourite? Oh, don't make me pick. Um, I do love a pinafore. I think it's a fun way to kind of wear a blouse without having to wear trousers. Um, the aura is beautiful. It's uh, by an Adelaide designer, Soften Studios, and it's just so dreamy to wear. It feels beautiful on. I made that just in a cotton drill. Um, it was a bit weighty. It's nice with a bit of weight to it because it's mm. so long. It makes it nice and swishy. I do want to make a knee-length one. I've actually got a curtain my friend gave me from that she bought and then didn't use, which is sort of a lovely grey oatmeal colour. So I might try and make a shorter one of that soon. The Steel Pinafore by LB Textiles. Steel is beautiful. I've made two of those. You did an amazing job on that one. You took it so slow and the detail of the buttons and the binding, everything looks amazing. Thank you. It was, it was a little bit fiddly around there and I really had to consciously slow down and say, okay, let, let's make this beautiful on the inside and out. So I lined it in a mm. lovely soft rayon and I did the covered buttons which was new for me and that how did you do that with a little kit <laughs> which, which kit I, did you use the one with the red and yellow or I something else so I think it was one with the little red thing and you pop the button top mm. the fabric in and the button top and you press it all together and hope that it worked and it um, did and that was really fun I enjoyed that I've actually got a little stash now of covered buttons sitting in my button box with various bits of fabric they're quite fun and um, I do love a covered button now I think it's a lovely a lovely detail to add that really gives your project something special. But I love the steel pinafore. I think the bow detail at the back is beautiful and the gathers and the lovely deep pockets. I've also made a few pinafores using dress patterns, so adapting dress patterns, the sage smock dress by Sew This Pattern. Um, I wore a lot in summer as a cotton dress and then recently made a corduroy pinafore, pinafore out of that pattern by taking the sleeves off and just making it out of something a bit weightier and it's beautiful. I love it. Wow. And last year you gave shearing a go for the first time. <laughs> Another thing I was irrationally frightened of. It's funny. I think we have a lot of irrational fears with our sewing. I think we're all very oddly scared of things. The shearing I looked at and I thought that looks so cool and I just didn't want to try it. And I thought, what am I being frightened of? Give it a go. So I popped it in some sleeves of a, of a hack to Rosa and I loved it. It was really fun. I mean, it takes time because you end up having to do a few rounds of it. 
you have to sew straight. If you're doing it at go for your first go, I suggest gingham because then you can follow the lines or draw some little lines in Taylor's chalk. But it's good fun. It wasn't as frightening as I thought. Mm. And have you noticed too with shearing, because I've done a bit lately, you almost have to know how far to take it because you do even just one or two extra rows can make you feel a little bit tight. Whereas yeah. if you just take those two out, it feels so much nicer around either your wrist or your waist or wherever you've put it. It is. It's definitely a balancing act. Um, I quite like shearing as well because it feels a bit softer than a more traditional elasticated waist or sleeve. Sometimes they can feel a bit tight and a bit firm. So I find shearing sort of a nice way to get that feel and get that comfort in a bit of a softer way. Mm. Yeah, it's fun. What else, what other techniques have you not tried yet that you're going to give a go one day? Oh, so many, so many. Um, I'm enjoying at the moment playing with seam finishes, different ways to finish seams. I've practiced recently on some Paola jackets, flat felling seams, which I hadn't done in years and I really enjoyed. Oh. That's like on the inside of your jeans where you cut down half and sort of fold it under itself and sew it again and it makes a really lovely firm finish. Um, and that's been really fun. I actually enjoyed that quite a lot. I've used that finish on a few items recently. So exploring different seam finishes, I'm also enjoying doing a little bit more hand sewing on my garments. So things like bound facings or bound edges, taking the time to do that hand sewing. I think we often think, oh, I don't want to hand sew it. I just want to get it done. But it does actually really give you a beautiful finish. So I think experimenting a bit more with some of those sorts of finishes as well mm. is something I'd like to do more of. So many YouTube videos that you can watch, whether you're a visual person, go to YouTube. If you're not, you know, there's so many articles as well written by pattern companies and sewists. Absolutely. And I think as well, sometimes you do have to search for the tutorial or the video or whatever it is that really speaks to you and makes it make sense. I've watched lots of sewing videos where I've said, I don't understand at all what you're doing. And then I've watched do it, someone else do it again and it's made total sense. So I think it's important not to be put off if something looks a little bit hard. You might just need a different explanation. Mm. I remember when I was making underwear, I was looking at all these videos and, and articles and the gusset, the gusset just... It needed to click in my head how to do the gusset. And there was this one article I found. I was like, yes, because she used different coloured fabric to kind of show this is the gusset, this is how you turn it through, and this is how it, the end result looks. Sometimes that's all it takes. That was me when I did my first welt pockets, which were very frightening on my brown coat. And I looked at lots of videos and lots of tutorials and thought, what are they doing? This makes no sense. And then I found one. I was like, oh, that's not that hard. Oh, I understand what you're doing there. So... I think, yeah, sometimes it is just about looking for a different explanation mm. or a different way of video or different contrasting threads or whatever it is that makes it makes sense in your head. Mm. Well, if you find a really good one on the burrito method, can you tell me? Because I still cannot, <laughs> for the life of me, work out how to get that burrito thing done. That one's definitely witchcraft. I think we can all agree. It's just magic. <laughs> I just keep thinking of eating a burrito. My but. children say the same thing. I made something that Aura Pinafore uses, the burrito method, and my sons came in and said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm just using a burrito method to do this. And they said, we're having burritos for dinner. I was like, no, but now I want burritos for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Is it true that your family has an antique christening gown that's been passed on through the generations? They do. So this is my husband's family. It's over 100 years old. His, my husband's grandfather wore it. And then he and his brothers and sister wore it. And then my children have worn it as well. It's absolutely beautiful. And when my children wore it, I asked my mother-in-law if I could embroider some initials onto it. And so now around the hem, I've embroidered the initials of everyone who's worn the gown, which is something I hope could continue when the next people are christened in it. I think 
it's such a lovely thing and it's such a beautiful gown. It's absolutely lovely. So you don't know who made it at all? It was maybe purchased? I'm not sure. I think it definitely looks like it was handmade or at least has been hand altered mm. over the years. I myself altered the sleeves a little bit because the cuffs were incredibly small and tight unpicked them very delicately and sewed on a little button so it could get around that would have been a bit um, it was a bit frightening. palpitating <laughs> <laughs> cutting through so working out am I cutting a thread or am I cutting the one piece of lace that holds the whole thing together um but it's very beautiful and both my children wore that and it was a very special thing I think as well to be able to add my own spin on it by adding those bits of embroidery on and I'm hoping that future generations will enjoy it as mm. well you definitely won't be chucking that one in the dryer. No. <laughs> I'm ready for the sewing game. Are you ready to play a sewing game? I'm ready for a sewing game. So with this game, you have to try and answer in one word or one sentence. Okay. But often people can't. It's just too difficult. They need to either justify themselves or, yeah, elaborate in some way. But let's try. Let's go. Okay. What fabric have you never used before but would like to try? Oh, you've stumped me. I can't think. Um, silk. You've never used silk? No. It's a little bit frightening. It's yeah. <laughs> I'm scared of a lot of things I'm discovering during this interview. And um, I've just never had the occasion to create something with it. I'd love to create something out of silk. At Christmas, many people have an elf on the shelf for their kids, but you have Jingle, the kindness elf. What is Jingle the Elf? <laughs> so kindness elves were created a few years ago in response to Elf on the Shelf. So rather than focusing on being a bit cheeky or having a lot of rules it's about enjoying the season and being kind so a few years ago I used a ginger melon pattern to create Jingle out of felt who is our very very well-loved elf who visits every December and gives my children ideas of nice things we can do each day or notices good behavior oh here's one for you have you ever made anything for your husband I have, have you? I don't think it features on my Instagram because he's a little bit shy um, I've made him a couple of pairs of trig shorts by LB Pattern, um, LB Textiles, which is a great pattern. I love that one. And I'm actually currently, oh no, he can't hear me. It's his birthday on Monday. I'm sewing him a wool jacket using the Paula workwear ja jacket pattern inspired by Bria Sews, who made one for her husband. So that's not made enough for his birthday on Monday, but hopefully will be. Where did you get the wool from? It was a blanket I found. It's a beautiful, oh. it's a beautiful burnt orange colour, which is not in my palette, but I loved it. Is it so in his I, palette? It will be. <laughs> <laughs> Do you use a rotary cutter or scissors? I use scissors. I'm very committed to my scissors. I actually bought a rotary cutter last week because I am keen to experiment with quilting. I have not used it yet. Another thing I'm irrationally frightened of. Have you taken it out of the plastic? I have, and I didn't cut my fingers off. So I figure that's a good first start. But I bought myself, I've got a nice big um, cutting mat, so I bought myself a big quilting ruler and my rotary cutter. So watch this space. But no, I'm for cutting garments, scissors all the way. Definitely team scissors. Have you used a pizza cutter before? They look very similar. If you've cut I pizza. But that feels like it could work. <laughs> Maybe not on the silk. <laughs> Do you tend to follow pattern instructions or just wing it? I follow pattern instructions. However, I do like to batch up tasks. My sewing machine and ironing board are at opposite ends of the house. So often I'll read through a pattern and say, right, what are all the things I can sew 
before I need to go back and put them together. So, for example, on the jacket I'm working on at the moment, I've sewn the lining, the pockets, the collar and the facing because that's as, mu that's as many pieces as I can sew before I have to start attaching them together and seams will cross. So I follow the pattern, just not always in order. True or false, you sometimes let your boys pick fabric at Spotlight. Definitely true. I love what they choose. <laughs> what do they pick? They have very good taste sometimes. I let them pick always for themselves. If they want me to make something, I will always let them choose. I've made them some shorts for discos and vests and all sorts of things. Um, but I'll also let them choose for me sometimes. I'll If I've got two different colours or something like that, I'll say, which one do you like? And I'm always pleasantly surprised with their choices. Do they normally side with each other? Because that would be hard then. Now you've got to choose between the two boys. <laughs> well, then you just buy both. <laughs> <laughs> so diplomatic, Mum. How often do you wear something that you made? Most days I will be wearing something that I've made and I don't... I don't consider myself to have a really huge wardrobe, so I will also wear things repeatedly. I don't think there's a problem with outfit repeating. Me neither. If I love it, you'll see it a lot. People are always looking for ideas on what to do with their scraps. You once made shoelaces. I think that was with scraps. But how did you manage to turn them inside out? I didn't. I just did um, made with them with bias binding. I actually halved them and halved them again to do it that way. And then did I a straight stitch. Yeah, so they do have a little bit of a flap on the outside, but I have seen people sew a bit of thread in and then use that to turn it inside out on thin straps and things like that. But if there's an easier way to do it, I'll usually take it. <laughs> do you sew over pins or take them out as you go? Again, don't tell my students I sew over my pins. <laughs> really, you're not meant to. I'm teaching my niece to sew at the moment and I am very strict on pull the pins out as you go. But do as I say, not as I do. I <laughs> tend to sew over my <laughs> What possessed you to once make a jacket with 13 pockets? Pockets are everything. <laughs> I love pockets. What would you that... do with 13 pockets? A pen in here, uh, a tissue in there, the my snacks. wallet. All the snacks. All That's snacks. My... <laughs> That's my dust jacket I use when I'm teaching woodwork. I made it when I was on my prac. And it's actually really useful because I do need pockets. I've got my phone, my classroom keys, usually a couple of screws, maybe a saw blade, a bit of off-cut timber that I'm using to demonstrate with and a tissue and a lip balm and anything else I've got in there, usually a muesli bar. And yeah, it was really fun. Um, the pockets I used were from the Ilford jacket by Friday Pattern Companies. And she did a great little tutorial where she showed stacking pockets on top of each other. And I just thought it was the most fun thing in the world. And made a jacket with 13 pockets. Are you constantly finding bits of thread all over your house? Yes, absolutely. It's very normal. The, the naughty one is pins. Occasionally people will find pins on the floor and I get in trouble for that one. True or false, every time your kids have a birthday, you make them a birthday badge out of felt with their age on it. True. I have a little stash of them. Oh, I that's so cute. <laughs> They love a birthday badge. So they expect one now? When's my birthday badge coming, Mum? They do. They love them. That is it. Well done. You made it to Did the I end. Win? <laughs> <laughs> Did you I win? You win fabric. Game? <laughs> you win pockets. <laughs> Thank you, Claudia, for chatting to me today and talking about all things sewing and craft. Thank you, Louise. It's been wonderful. I love your podcast, so I'm excited to share my thoughts with people too. Oh. Thank you for listening to the Australia Sews podcast. If you know someone from Australia who would be great to have on the show, 
email australiasospodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on Instagram at australiasos underscore podcast. You are more than welcome to nominate yourself. You can also find me on Instagram at make underscore thrift underscore sew. Now, back to sewing. <laughs>